please turn your Bibles to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. I want to continue on and finish off this little section. Um, we're talking about the goodness of God. And uh, this all began in verse 16. Remember where the Apostle James wrote and he said, Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Verse 17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with uh, whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. So we looked at those verses in some detail over the last two weeks. And what I want to do is I want to go on to the verse following it, which is verse 18, obviously, um, <laughs> where he goes on to say, of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be kind of first fruits of his creatures. Now, James goes from speaking of God as being the father of lights to being our own loving father. So we're, we're, we're coming, becoming personal now in this and wanting fur to further uh, drive home the point of God's goodness by shifting the focus from God's physical and spiritual blessings, which are the good and perfect gifts, to the divine miracle of the new creation. Amen? So he's saying, listen... As much as God wants to give us gifts, there is a tremendous gift that he brought about, something that he gave us that was beyond all the other gifts, and that was a new creation. Because that's what allows us to receive those good and perfect gifts. Amen? In his commentary, William MacDonald says, let me just give you a couple of commentaries here. He says, this tells us what prompted him to save us. He was not forced to do it, by any merit in us. So it was nothing about us that caused God to do this. Okay? It said he did it of his own free will. His love to us was unmerited, unbought, and unsought. You know, we, you know can I just say this? Most people didn't want to have anything to do with God. They were happy by themselves doing their own thing. A lot of times we have no idea. You know, we think that we are in control of our life. And the Bible tells us there is a fight. The Apostle Paul says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against there are principalities and powers and rulers and all this darkness that's around us because of the fall of man. And there's a lot of stuff arrayed against us that we have no defense against. Are you all with me? Until you get God on your side... Until you get to the place where the angels of God are starting to okay, do their job and you can say with Elijah, there's more with us than against us. Right. You're in trouble. If you don't have that, there's a lot against you. Yeah. And people don't even realize this. And they say, well, you know, I don't want religion. I don't want God because I want to be in control. Dude, you're already out of control. You, you have no control. You think you do, but you're being led by something that you don't even know exists. And he's having such an influence on you that you think the thoughts that you're having are your own, but it, they, they really aren't. They're coming from somewhere else. See, everything that we think, you know, <laughs> let me just go down this track for just a minute. Everything that we think, any thought that you have, you weren't born with a whole lot of, you know, <laughs> the encyclopedia worth of information in your brain. You came out with Gaga. That was about it. And you said the first word and we thrilled. <laughs> you know? If, if it was a normal child, it would have been Dada or Mama. If it was a teen, Teenage Mutant Ninja, it would have been Pizza. 
know, whatever. I don't know. The thing is, you know, you didn't have a lot of information. And see, we don't realize that all the information that we're getting and that we build up is because somebody else said something. Somebody spoke something into our lives. And if all of those voices are being led and driven by the, by the enemy, then all the thoughts that you've had and gathered in, in your life have come from a place where it is anti-God. And you think that the thoughts you're having and the thoughts you're fighting for are your own, but they're actually not. They came from somewhere else. Are you all with me? That's why the Apostle Paul says, be renewed in your mind. That's the only way you're going to start thinking God thoughts and the only way that you're going to straighten out your thinking and start going in a direction that will be a blessing to you and blessing to others. Amen. Anyway, that was not part of my sermon. Okay, coming back to this. But this is really important that we understand that we weren't looking for God. You know, a lot of people were just, just happy to just get on with their lives. But something comes into your life. And you know, the Holy Spirit is always there. He's always saying there's more. I always knew that as a child. You know, I always knew there was something more. I always felt like there was something that I needed to get in touch with. Now, I was a happy little Buddhist. And I was born that way, and I set the house on fire almost one time, you know, lighting those little candles and sticks and everything, and threw it on the mattress, and it caught on fire. <laughs> anyway, we had a good time. No, it wasn't a good day that day. But anyway, you know, but, you know, we, we had to, we, you know, I was enjoying myself, but I always felt like I was missing something. And I didn't realize what that was, and I felt there was this presence that was always knocking on the door of my heart. Saying, let me in. <laughs> and, you know, until much later, and one day, you know, my cousin invited me to Billy Graham crusade, and I went there, and wow, every thought that I had, that man said. I knew that day God was reaching out to me. I felt like it was all for me. Sorry, but that's what I felt. I would think a thought, and he would say, somebody's thinking this. I'm like, yeah, that was me. And then I'd have another thought, and he would say, somebody just thought that. And I thought, that was me again. And then I had another, no, I'm not kidding, about four or five thoughts said, I thought, I better go down there. I think this is God trying to say something. Because the last thought I had was, if I don't do this now, I probably never will. And that wasn't me, that was God. It always sounds like yourself. And after all the previous ones, I thought, I better go down. Because I have a feeling I won't otherwise. You know, if I had said no at that point in time, who knows where I'd be today? Are you all with me? God gives you opportunities. You need to take them when they come. Amen? Because I'll tell you something. God will never stop giving you opportunities, but the devil will make sure that you don't have another one. He'll try his best to try and run you over or something. Because while you're out of God's protection, while you're not saying yes to him, you're out there. You're in a place where you can get hurt. Are you all with me? We do have an enemy. All right. <clears throat> So he goes on to say it was entirely vol voluntary on his part. This should cause us to worship him. You know, we should be so grateful to God that he reached out to us, that he went after us, that he had paid the price for us. And the person that nailed Jesus to the cross could be forgiven. The, the, the person that whipped him to where his flesh was hanging 
could be forgiven. That salvation was for all. And it didn't matter what you did. Amen? You know, one of the first things that we learn when we become a Christian, the foundation that our Christianity is built on is God's love for us and God's forgiveness toward us. We need, to, we need to know two things, that God loves us and we've been forgiven of everything. Are you all with me? No luggage, no baggage. We are, the slate is wiped clean. Amen. That's where you start. Only then can you get to the place where you're attacking the devil and fighting and <laughs> all of that stuff. Because if you don't have this foundation, you won't do any of the other stuff. Everything that, you know, talks about overcoming has God's love somewhere attached to it. It's only with the knowledge of that can you attack, can you fight, can you know that you're going to win. Getting back to this. All right. All right. So again, notice he says of his own uh, of his own will. The phrase of his own will in the Greek carries the idea of an active expression of God's will. A deliberate and specific exercise of will. Do you understand this was deliberate? This was active. God wanted to do this. I think that is so important when the devil comes and says, oh, God doesn't want to have anything to do with you. Oh, God won't forgive you of this. So God will, you know, if God did all of this before we were saved, how much do you think he's willing to do after we're saved? No matter how much we mess up. That's not a license to mess up. But I, <laughs> do you know what I'm trying to say? Look, man, you know, there's some people, they want to see as how far they can, you know, how close to the edge they can get without falling over. Don't be one of those people. And I still remember this story, <laughs> you know. Uh, uh, this is one of those olden day Western things, okay? And um, they were interviewing people to drive the stagecoach. And all of these guys that were there, you know, that came for the job, were saying, you know, kind of boasting about how close to the edge they could get when they're driving that stagecoach, you know, when they're going up mountains and stuff. And, and there was one guy sitting there, didn't say any of that stuff. And, you know, and he just said, you know what, I, I, think, I don't think this is the job for me. And he gets up to leave, and the guy that was interviewing said, wait, where are you going? He goes, uh, you know, I'm not like these guys, man. I want to stay away from the edge as much as I can. And the guy goes, you're hired. <laughs> you <know>? <laughs> <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I really like that story. Anyway, so <laughs> because you put other people in danger as well. It's not just about your life. Amen. You're always, you know, riding on the edge and everybody else has to pray for you. Why don't you be safe and pray for everybody else? Eh, just a thought. Moving on. <laughs> uh, one of the translations puts it this way. He says, God was delighted to give us birth. Amen. And we need to know that. Amen. All right. Continuing on. Notice how it goes in the say of his own will. He brought us forth. Now, this describes the new birth with R. Kentius saying that just as God acted freely in his goodness when he created the universe, he freely chose to bring us to himself. Everything in salvation was God and is God. We are God's people because of a total act of grace rooted in God's unprompted goodness. Oh, amen. I like that. Unprompted goodness. There was, there was no prompting required. 
Sometimes when we need to do things, we need to be prompted. <laughs> you know, if it's a good thing, you're like, oh. <laughs> you know? especially if there's not a lot of good that's going to come out of it. And yet God went after us. And that's what saddens me when people, <sighs> how can I say this? They disrespect God. You know, and, and they put him down and they blame him for things that he wasn't behind. Because the enemy is so good, he's subtle and deceptive, Bible tells us. He's so good at putting the blame on God for everything that goes wrong. And then you get preachers that are preaching, well, God is in control of everything. No, he's only in control of everything in your life because you allow him to be. Everything else, sweetheart, is out there. Are you all here? And the thief does come to steal, kill, and destroy. It doesn't say, well, he tries to come to steal, kill, and destroy, but because God's in control of everything, he can't. That's not what the Bible says. Jesus said, he will come to steal, kill, and destroy. He says, but I have come to give you life and life more abundantly. You choose. Which do you want? All right. <clears throat> That's what, you know, even the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8. He says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. That not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Everything is God's gift to us. People say, well, is it the faith or the grace? Both. <laughs> Everything that we have is, comes from God. You know, we wouldn't have any faith if God didn't give us something to have faith in. If, you, if we were relentlessly attacked every day, every moment of our life, we wouldn't have any faith in anything. Are you all with me? You know, you need something working out in your life, a little bit at least, to have some faith. <coughs> and we take that for granted. Mm. Accordingly, in his commentary, P.D.H. David says that God has produced the new birth or redemption in all believers. This, this statement produces a startling contrast. Desire brings to birth sin and death. God brings to birth redemption and life. Isn't that interesting? Anything that the enemy brings across your path will lead to sin and death somewhere. And you know, when I say death, it could be death of your dreams. It could be death of anything. Your hope, your future, anything. You know, it's really interesting when we look at the things that God offers, it always leads to life. It, at the end of the day, it'll always be something that when you look back on your life, you'll be happy you did. And everything that the enemy leads you to, even though that might, there might be pride and stuff attached to it at the time, when you look back on those things, there'll be things that you regret in your life. The guy that's saying, I did it my way, didn't know what he was on about. All right. <clears throat> on a final note, William MacDonald makes the point that by this spiritual birth, we become his children. A relationship that can never be changed since a birth can never be undone. I like that. I'm going to say that and leave it. Continuing on, the Apostle James now goes on to describe the primary agent behind the new birth by saying in the latter half of verse 18 that all this came about by the word of truth. 
Firstly, it is important to note that the word of truth is the gospel of God's word, as is made evident in Colossians chapter 1. So let's go to Colossians chapter 1. I'm going to be looking at the New American Standard Bible. That's the NASB, for those on the overheads. Okay. <laughs> Where the Apostle Paul writes, Colossians 1.3, he says, We give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Verse 4, Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have for all the saints. You know what? I got to stop here for a minute. <laughs> okay. Uh, let me go back for just a second to verse 3. This is Paul, the apostle, being a father, not being a teacher and an instructor, but a father. And notice he says, We give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying for you always, or praying always for you. Do you know that's what fatherly hearts do? See, one of the things that we're going to be talking about in the next couple of weeks is about being spiritual fathers and mothers. You know, so much of the time we, we don't realize how much we have and how much we can grow if we're willing to share what we know. That almost rhymed. So, <laughs> okay, you know, one, of the, one of the key things in the body of Christ isn't to stay a baby. It is to grow up, to get through the stages. There are three stages. Okay, there's the infant stage, the, the, the baby stage, the little child stage, that's all one, okay. Then there is the teenage stage where you take on the devil and you think you can take him on all by yourself and you're attacking him left, right and center and winning. And then there's the fatherly stage, where you help them all come in, go through all those stages, and then get to a place where, you know, they are praying for you, they're looking after you, they're talking to you, they're helping to encourage you in the times when you need encouragement, they're helping you to settle down when you're getting too hot and, you know, bothered. Uh, okay? Because some days you're taking down the devil and people all at the same time, and you need to tell the difference. You know what I'm trying to say? Okay? All those sort of things. But parents in the Lord do that. And it's really interesting that the Apostle Paul has this love and he comes across. He, in fact, he says, in, I think it's in Corinthians somewhere, you have many instructors but no fathers. And we don't realize what he's actually saying there. A lot of people can teach the word, but not many people can father other believers. Amen. You'll know what I mean when we get to it. Anyway, let's keep going. That was not, that was what this was about. <laughs> uh, he says, verse 5, he says, Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of which you previously heard, in the word of truth, the gospel. So I want you to notice the word of truth is the gospel. Okay? And that's what was required to bring about the new birth. Now, knowing that, since the word of truth is the Bible, what James is saying here is that the Bible is the instrument of the new birth. In every genuine case of conversion, the scriptures are involved. Can I get an amen on that? You can't get this without the scriptures, okay? Now, you need the Holy Spirit, obviously. He's the one that does the new work. But you wouldn't know if he didn't tell you. Amen? And so he says here again, in every genuine case of conversion, the scriptures are involved, whether orally or in printed form. Apart from the Bible, we would not know the way to salvation. Indeed, we would not even know that salvation was available. You think about that for a minute. 
if this book wasn't here, we wouldn't know. We'd have no idea. Therefore, not only did God create all things by his word, but he also recreates everyone who receives Jesus Christ as Lord in the same way. Isn't that something? Not only did he create everything by his word, you know, Genesis chapter 1, and God said, and God said, but he also recreates everything. Every one of us are a new creation. Do you know, that, do you know what the miracle is? When God finished, finished creating everything, there was still one more act of creation that would take place and that would be ongoing. Once man fell and Jesus went to the cross, the new birth came about and God started creating again. Hallelujah. And we're one of those creations. We are a new creation that didn't exist before. Isn't that something? I'm excited, you know, I'll be excited by myself over here. Okay, so <laughs> you need to realize how unique you are. You need to realize that God had something to do with you, personally. You just didn't become part of his family and, oh, God is in the distance, somewhere far away, <laughs> okay? No, he had something personally to do with you. He recreated you on the inside to something that was nothing like anything that ever existed before and something that the enemy could not defeat. So what did you need? A renewed mind. You need to realize now there's a little cape on the back. You're not Clark Kent anymore. You are a super spiritual human being person man. I don't know how to put that. <laughs> Super Christian, I don't know. Okay, whatever. <laughs> you don't realize. That's what the Apostle Paul says. You know, we are more than conquerors. And he wrote that to the Romans. <laughs> you, know, the, 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 you know, the people that conquered everybody. He said, we are more than that. Wow. <clears throat> you know, that's why it's so important to see who he wrote things to. <laughs> there's a lot of meaning behind what he says. Anyway, <clears throat> oh, there's one more thing I need to get to, which is very exciting. And that is in the latter half of verse 18. So going back to James 1 and verse 18, the latter half says that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Peter H. Davids writes, he says, we, says James, are like a harvest. We are the first ripe fruit of God's new creation promising the full harvest to come. Like Paul, James believes that God will redeem all creation, not just humanity. Now that's brought out in what the Apostle Paul says in Romans 8, verse 22 and 23. Now it's from verses 18 to 25, I don't have time. Okay, so I'm pulling two verses out from the middle. <clears throat> he says, <clears throat> excuse me, this is from the New American Standard Bible. All right, Romans 8, 22, he says, For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pain of childbirth together until now, verse 23, and not only this, but also we ourselves, having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. 
what we see from that is that all of creation, see, we don't realize what part we are to play. We were to be the first fruits. We were to be the first thing that was recreated and brought about and redeemed and delivered from the curse. And then we, by our words, using our faith, we were to help this planet out. Because God did say, let them have dominion. What have we been doing with that dominion? God came and bought it back with his life. Paid for it with his blood so that we could be redeemed so that there was no sin. See, again, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess, acknowledge our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness so that we can be perfectly righteous before God and so that we can use that righteousness to bring about the perfection that we had at the beginning. Are you all with me? And that's the reason why, you know, I think, you know, so much of the time we're just concerned about what we don't have and what we want to confess for ourselves instead of this little planet is kind of going, help me. I got tsunamis coming out of here and there and earthquakes and I can't control this stuff. There's so much sin on the planet. You know, that's what brings that destruction. We don't realize what goes on because of the position we're in and we don't realize what power we have. We think that our thoughts are just ourselves, but they actually have an effect on everything around us. And you get enough of people, you know, a million people thinking that. And the earth can't manage that. It wasn't designed to deal with sin. Are you all with me? And so we really need to be speaking to things. And helping this, you know, this little planet, not just the people on it. And yes, we need to be, help the people on it. And by helping the people on it, their thoughts will change. And that in itself will, will be uh, beneficial. But we really need to realize that God is still looking. That His mandate never changed. Are you all here? When he said, let them have dominion, it meant that we were meant to have dominion. And when things are going wrong, we should be standing and we should be praying and we should be coming against things and stopping them. But you know, we're still having trouble believing for socks. <laughs> I'm serious, you know. <laughs> I don't know if I have the faith. Oh, wow, man. Can we get past that? Just saying. Returning to Peter H. David's quote, he goes on to say that the present rebirth of believers promises more to come. But the first, listen to this, the first are the best, the specially holy portion. Thus James underlines God's good gift and intention in the lives of the Christians. I want to read one more commentary because something tremendous in what he said, but this one brings it out even more clearly, Simon J. Kistamaka says, in Old Testament times, please listen, okay? If you slept through the rest of the sermon, listen to this a bit. Okay? <laughs> okay? In Old Testament times, the first fruits were holy and belonged to God. Did you get that? And in the New Testament, Christians are God's first fruits. What an honor. Therefore, let no one ever think that God can lead us astray. That is impossible. 
for he is holy and we, his first fruits, share his holiness. Let me talk to you about this. This is just, this just sets me off. <laughs> the first fruits belong to God. No, we really need to get this. The first fruits belong to God. You know, just as much as we say the first fruits of our giving and so on, that belongs to God. That's God's portion. And if you don't do what's right, you know, it opens the door to bad things. Okay, let me just say that. But we need to see something else. We are God's first fruits. Which means if the devil puts his hand on us, he is touching something that God has said belongs to me. Do you get this? He is in danger of all kinds of curses coming on him. But we need to know this. The Bible says my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. They have no idea. If they knew, they'd stand up and say, I am God's first fruits. Don't touch. You mess with this, you mess with God. Doesn't matter if I don't have any faith or not. I'm still his first fruits. I got saved. I've become his first fruits, regardless of where my faith is. See, if that's all you know, it'll help you. It'll save you. It'll keep the devil off your doorstep. Because that first fruit belongs to him. And you, being his first fruit, belong to him. Amen? God has put his seal on you to say, don't touch. Hallelujah. Oh, that blesses me. That bless you. That was worth this, eh? <laughs> Hallelujah. I, I, I want to finish with a, a, one particular translation that says, God was delighted to give us birth by the truth of his infallible word so that we would fulfill his chosen destiny for us and become the favorite ones out of all of his creation. You are God's favorite. Did you know that? How dare the devil ever say to you that God doesn't care about you, that God is behind all your problems. You are his favorite. You are his first fruit. He loves you dearly. He did all of this because he loves you, not because of anything we did. And we respond in love to a love that began with him. Amen? Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you today for your word. And we're excited and thankful and grateful, Father, for all that you have done. And we're excited about the fact that we are your first fruits. Hallelujah. <laughs> that we belong to you. And we just thank you for that. We praise you. It causes us to worship you in our heart. In Jesus' name, amen.